You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, welcome back to the Broadway Teachers Podcast. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Pam. You know this one is special for me. Oh my gosh, I do. So since we began the Broadway Teachers Workshop 21 years ago, I have wanted to have Patti LuPone as a special guest. And we have been like, it's been your mission, your mission to get this woman to attend our event. It's like my white whale, but don't tell her I use those words. Um, In any case, it finally happened this year, thanks to her amazingly generous publicist and her generous spirit uh, at a time when people really needed uh, a a goose, um, uh, an uplift. She gave it to us this summer in a really witty, rambunctious, fiery conversation. Uh, And you're about to hear all of it. Here goes. The following was recorded live at the Broadway Teachers Workshop, an annual program that brings theater teachers together with the Broadway community for behind the scenes classes, workshops, intimate discussions, and Broadway shows in New York City and online. Learn more at www.broadwayteachinggroup.com. Hello, hello, and welcome back, everybody. Um, We are so lucky. This is someone that I have been waiting for years to welcome to the Broadway Teachers Workshop, and she's here with us. We're so fortunate. Welcome, Patti LuPone. There'd be huge applause right now, but it's (laughs) happening all over the world in people's bedrooms. Patti, thank you for joining us. Where are we finding you? In Litchfield County, Connecticut, home. Beautiful. Home home of not only you, but I understand some bears, chipmunks, fox. Yes, lots of uh, animals and uh, lots of right now. Oh, my God, I'm getting bit all over the place. Those noceums. I'm sure you have them in Poundridge as well. Yes, you know. everywhere. And, you know, the in this particular lockdown, sheltering in place, quarantine pandemic, it has been lovely being home with my family in this environment. And I mean, I know how lucky I am that I'm in the country. Um, social, the social distancing is just the way it is. My next, my next neighbor is like at least an acre away from us. So, you know, it's, the world is going to hell and I'm very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> how have you been staying sane? What have you been doing to feel creative, to feel connected? I'll tell you, I, um, my musical director, Joel Fram. Oh, I don't know how we got on the subject, but we got on the subject of Gustav Mahler. And Joel is one of those scholars and just a brilliant technician. And um, he 
must have studied Mahler. So I'm sort of in a Mahler classroom with Joel where he will write up a, sort of a dissertation of what the particular uh, symphony I'm listening to is about, listen to certain themes, etc. because I love programmatic, programmatic music. And then I will listen to the symphony. So I'm, I'm learning, which, thank God. Uh, I'm watching, of course, um, uh, I'm streaming, I just finished Babylon Berlin and um, my brilliant friend are the, my two favorites oh, that are, I'm streaming. And I'm weeding. I'm weeding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you do say like weeding, not reading. Okay. No, <laughs> weeding. And I'm reading too. I'm reading. I'm, I read Madame Bovary, the new uh, Lydia Davis translation, which is spectacular. And now Lucia Berlin's short stories, which is, again, uh, Manual for Cleaning Women. I thought it was Manual for Cleaning Women, but it's <laughs> Manual for Cleaning Women. And it's, that's really terrific. I'm cooking. We have my husband and son and I have a ritual where we have sort of an Italian lunch like around 3 o'clock, 3.30, and we, we come together and we, have, we listen to jazz and we... That's when we all three of us come together. At, at, you know, everybody's off doing their own thing. Um, but I'll tell you, I, 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 I've had it. It's it's done. And of course, we're screwed in this country. We are totally screwed because we are knee deep, as they have said, in this pandemic because of the lack of leadership from the idiot in the White House. And I don't know when we're ever going to get out of this. I yeah. don't. It's it's scary. It's depressing. It makes me mad. And I've had it, you know what I mean? I'm like, this is, it's enough already now, but it, it feels like we haven't even started. Well, you're fortunate that you have these passions. Um, I mean, when you talk about reading, not weeding, um, did your dad, is that something, I know your father was a principal um, in an elementary school, is it, in Long Island? What, what was that like? Like, were you embarrassed to go to school with your father there? Yeah, when I went, the, eventually there were two um, elementary schools because the town grew. But yes, it was um, actually I had a raw, uh, a snowball with a raw, uh, rock in it thrown at me and hit me in the head because I was the daughter of a principal. Um, so there was you know bullying, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, um, and when I went to a different school, which was closer to my school, then you know that stopped. I wasn't the principal's daughter. But the person that really there. We had great librarians, and it's the librarians that got me, I mean, developed my passion for reading. They would bring us, in an elementary school, they would bring us into the library, and Miss Mrs. Morrison, I believe her name was, would read stories to us that just released our imagination. That's the one thing that that bothers me about certain forms of stuff now we're, we're not allowed to um, experience it it's experienced it's completely open so that we're not experiencing anything you know how the, how the mind the imagination um imagine what they're what they're what she was reading i remember a story about two girls that would go to the forest at different times to the same spot until they met each other and i can't remember how it ended but there were i'm talking when i, I was like five six seven years old just having these stories read to me and having and 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 having my mind work, having my Isn't that amazing. It's incredible. And then how did that then spin into like the love of theater? I always knew I was sort of born for this, and not sort of, I was born for the stage, knew it at a very early age. 
And because that's the other thing, my high, my um, school district, Northport School District, had, and I believe it still has a very strong music department from elementary through junior high into high school. And the I believe it, when I was going to school, the instruments that we studied in elementary school were to serve the band in high school. Um, and so we, at, in third grade, we were told to choose an instrument, either a band or an orchestra instrument. And we studied. I mean, I learned how to read music when I was eight years old. And I had individual cello classes, you know, to, to learn about music. So we, and we were given instruments. We, you know, I would take a cello home on the bus. Uh, that was my instrument. Uh, everybody had an instrument. And that, that followed all through junior high school. And then, of course, the choruses were added in junior high school, where um, I studied cello. And um, I wanted to be in the band because I, because the band, that's another story, but I played sousaphone in the band. Um the marching band, and then I was in all of the choruses. I was always in the music department because that's where I learned the most because that's where my passion was. And did you do your first play in high school? Elementary school. What was it? I played, I was the understudy to the Katasha in the Mikado. Mikado? <laughs> they had understudies? <laughs> I was the understudy. Also the Mikado. <laughs> but I was, so I was in the chorus, but we did the Mikado. We did Sullivan in elementary school. It's amazing. um, And it probably wouldn't happen now for a variety of reasons. Um, But I do love Gilbert and Sullivan. I'm still an aficionado. Um, What what was your sort of high school splash? Like, do you remember having a moment where you knew everything was coming together and crystallizing? Well, I had a couple of them. Um, We had a Brilliant. She just passed actually this year. Esther Scott was um, the choral master in junior high. And then she moved up to the high school when we moved up to the high school. So I had her for a good five years. She was an inspiration to a lot of people. Um, but we were chosen, you know, in 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 all, every state, there's all Suffolk, well, all Suffolk, all county. And that was Suffolk County, all state which would have been New York State, and all Eastern. I don't know whether they still have it, but so all Eastern would be the best of the Eastern seaboard, seaboard from Maine down to Florida. And I was in all county, all state, and all Eastern. And when I was in all Eastern, in the soprano section, this was the best of the best of high school kids. You were a soprano? Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm still a soprano. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm, I'm still a soprano. Um, I realized that my talent... It was humbling because around me were this extraordinary voices of high school kids. It wasn't all about me. It wasn't all about me. And I took stock of what I, I think I had, what I thought I had as a performer, as a singer, and realized it didn't measure up to the people around me. And that was a big, big, big lesson, a realization, a self-realization. And I'll give you another couple of examples. I was given the solo when our, you know, as I said, our Northport High School had an extremely st- strong music department. So we were chosen to represent, to sing for NISMA, New York State Music, music Teachers Association. And uh, Esther gave me the solo of an original piece by Arthur Frackenpole called Tadeum. And uh, I was 15 years old. Woke up the morning that we had to travel up to um, 
I, the Poconos. I think it was the Poconos. We were, it was a Concord, so maybe it was the Catskill Mountains. Oh, right. And I had a very, very sore throat. I couldn't swallow. And I couldn't tell Esther, Mrs. Scott. Before we went, I could cry right now. Before we went, I mean, I, I told my best friends, two, two, the two people on either side of me in the chorus, um, that I was sick. And I, I didn't know if I had a voice. And I, every time I swallowed, it really, really hurt. I think we slept overnight, and the next day we performed. And Esther, Mrs. Scott, um, before we went on stage, said that she had, I knew she did, a special needs child who only responded to music. And would we, I could cry right now, mm-hmm. would we perform this for Gary? We were all sort of shocked and moved. And I mean, the fact that she took us into her confidence about her child. I mean, I couldn't let her down. She, you know, she, she was a champion for me. And then that, that information was, for a 15-year-old kid, that was kind of mind-boggling. We got to my solo. I didn't sing anything uh, up to the solo. And it was, it was pretty extensive. I have a recording of it. Um, I opened my mouth, and I sang the solo, and I cracked on one note um, and got through it. And that's when we told Esther how sick I was. And they got, brought the doctor in. I had tonsillitis and 105 fever. You didn't and want to disappoint her. I didn't want to disappoint her. I didn't want to disappoint myself. I this was you know and 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 it was a test. It was the first test of how committed I was to what I was doing in my life. I could have said I'm sick. I don't want to do this, or I could have said I'm doing this. Come hell or high water, and I did it. And sort of that's sort of how I live my life basically. Um, it was all a test, a test to, you know, for me, it was a test for me. Um, the, the fact that I was so blessed to have teachers in the music department. And, you know, I had someone in, in, in humanities, Dick Streb, someone in economics, I think, um, not in economics. It was, is it humanities? I can't remember. It was humanities. But there were certain teachers that were able to perceive who we were individually. So I'll talk about me, who I was, what I was guarding, what, what was positive about what I was uh, putting out in the world. Uh, because I was a troublemaker and a loudmouth and a comedian. I was performing. I was, that's what I was born to do. So I did it all the time. And there were teachers that wanted to punish me for that. And there were teachers that understood and focused that. And they were the ones I learned from. Because I trusted them to, I, to, because they understood me. And a lot of times, you know, I, I find that the that, that teachers, any teacher that I've had, you either have that ability or you don't. And if you don't have that ability, you shouldn't really be teaching because it really is the most difficult profession. It takes great wisdom, great wisdom and great empathy and, 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 and a psychologist's mind because I think we're just forming. We are, you know, we're just, I, had, I can remember what happened to me in first grade by a teacher um, that shocked me and it shocks me to this day. 
And she was a mean teacher. And, I, and then you think, why are you teaching first graders? When, and then I've had teachers that have been, they were, that's what they were born to do. And they were, they were, they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to sound ridiculous, but they were like gods because of how they understood, how much they understood, how, how they could encompass, how they, you know, like it, it, it's, teachers to this day, if I have a teacher as a director, if I have a teacher as a composer, if I have a teacher in someone that is just a human being, but you see in them a way of, of how they live their life, that teaches. I mean, to me, it's 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 the noblest that and firefighters, the noblest profession. It, I cannot believe that our teachers are um, dismissed. Education is dismissed, and I'm bleeding for the kids that they don't have music education. Ours was mandatory, as math was mandatory, as English was mandatory, music was mandatory. Um, can you talk a bit about some of your teachers at Juilliard? Well, there, you know, that was a unique situation because we had teachers that were also professionals. So, and here they were teaching young actors that might take their place in a role. And they were, they were mean. We had, I went through Juilliard and it was a brutal, brutal environment. And you were year one. Year one, group one, group one. Um, and they hadn't really formed the acting company or the acting, uh, they had a Bible, uh, you know, an acting Bible. Uh, uh, Michelle Saint-Denis um, and John Houseman made this Bible, but we got a lot of technique. And I had a lot of trouble in school. They wanted to throw me out of Juilliard because they didn't like my personality, but they couldn't throw me out because they didn't like my personality. So they threw all sorts of roles in my direction, thinking I would fail as an actor. And what they did, was trained one actor in versatility. The rest of them, they pigeonholed into leading lady, soubrette, ingenue, character woman. I was the one that was able to go, you know, and and Marion Seldes was my champion at school. Marion directed me about five times. She didn't teach, but she directed. And she directed me, not on the main stage, in one of the studios, five times. Um, what a beautiful spirit she was. Oh, she was great. She was great. Uh, she was my champion. She um, she was also a character. Yes, I, there are many famous stories. <laughs> a lot of stories. She was a character. What do you think she saw in you that others didn't? No. I don't know, and I never discussed it with her. Um, I know that she saw talent. I know that she saw undisciplined talent. And undisciplined in my personal life and undisciplined it needed to be trained. By that I mean, when I mean undisciplined, I mean that it was a raw talent that needed to be trained. Um, but I turned in my best performances with, with, with Marion and Jack O'Brien. Um, and it was interesting how I was finally uh, accepted by John Houseman 
which was after Juilliard, and we were in the acting company, and we, you know, had to perform in one benefit when all the um, donors were there. And a woman came up to me in front of Mr. Hausman and said, I'm putting my money on you. And I was like, you know, I'm young. We're, you know, we're, still, we're still in the acting company. We're basically still at school. And I, I didn't know who she was. She didn't identify herself. And I went, you know what I did? I went, about time. <laughs> no, all through school, I didn't understand why I wasn't getting the leading parts. I didn't understand why they didn't see what the talent was. Um, but it's so rare that you still held on to that sort of inner strength and you knew you did not let that deter you. Because I knew that I was born to the stage. I knew that I was born to the boards and I wasn't, it's a gift and it's a gift to give away. And I, uh, you know, I encountered tremendous obstacles and I was not going to let them stop me from doing what I was born to do. And that, you know, that takes it, it why did I do it? I don't know. I mean, I could have turned around and go and, and gone, okay, well, it's too tough for me, but. But you knew. You knew. Muses and thankless <laughs> would have allowed me to. <laughs> I don't did you think. Um, did you think you were going to do musicals or plays? Did you have a sense? Knew, I knew from a very early age that I would do musicals. And because I knew what I, I knew the voice. And I also thought at 16 years old, I was in the Apple Orchard of Northport, our house, I thought my career would be in Europe. I sort of had this, you know, premonition that this face was not American. And when I was growing, when I started in the business, it wasn't. Not that it is now, um, but it's very European, my face. It's, it's, it belongs in Europe. When I go to Europe I, and I go to Italy, I look like everybody else. Um, but I knew that it wasn't. America. And um, so I thought, and I didn't have a career when I was 16 years old, but I said in my stream of consciousness, consciousness, your career is in Europe. And um, I knew when I was quite young that my career would be on the Broadway musical stage, but I didn't want to be on the Broadway musical stage. I wanted to be a rock and roller. I grew up with rock and roll. But I knew every time I sang rock and roll, I sounded like Ethel Merman. So I knew. <laughs> I, I, I knew, that album. <laughs> I, um, knew I, I belonged on the Broadway musical stage. I knew that's where I was going to end up. Um, can we I'm, talk a, a little bit about Evita? Sure. Like, how did that come to be? Um, I think what happened was um, um, uh, Joanna Merlin was Hal Prince's casting director. In our third year of Juilliard, John Hausman presented us to the New York theater community. We did a series of plays in the, in the theater at Juilliard uh, to introduce these actors that they were training because we were first class. Like a showcase. Yeah. And Joanna saw me and um, she suggested me to Hal and I went in. I guess I didn't know whether I could sing or not. So I went in. I can't remember what I sang, but when I left... She said, make sure you're available for the final callback. And then I went to California and Steven Spielberg had cast me in uh, 1941. And, I, and that's actually my first big Hollywood movie, a Steven Spielberg's only flop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I, um, I, I got back into the audition uh, and I had to sing Buenos Aires, uh, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, and um, Rainbow High. And I got the part. And I think what Hal wanted was actors 
in the role and they knew I had come from Juilliard. They just didn't know whether I could sing because Mandy was, I think, four years behind me. And Mandy, when they were interested in Mandy, Mandy said, this is what Mandy has told me, that who's playing Evita, Patti LuPone, I'm in. So we had Juilliard <laughs> actors in those oh, roles. How lucky did they get finding actors who could sing like that? It's not just a little bit of singing. <laughs> and, and, and it needed it, quite frankly, because the show is two hours of exposition. You know, Evita went here, Evita went there, Evita went then, she did that, she did that. There's very little dramatic, uh, anything dramatic going on in that. We're just learning her journey. Um, so Mandy and I had to connect the dots and make it dramatic, make exposition dramatic. And, you know, we had the ability because we had training. You did. You you did it marvelously. I will, I will admit that although I saw the show 14 times um, with my bar mitzvah money, it was yeah. only... <laughs> because I was not allowed to, to stay for the evening show, so I never got to see you. Oh, right, yeah. I, I, didn't, know I didn't know that was happening, and that really pissed me off. But I was, I was really angry because I was like, you are singing it wrong. You don't sound like the album. You're not the lady from the commercial. <laughs> well, um, it wasn't my decision. Well, regardless, um, your recording is magnificent, and everything I put together... Uh, is is highly thrilling. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, after Evita, did it open a lot of doors for you? Did that change things for you? No, not at all. Um, I... I um you know, I went into Evita as an actress and came out as a fascist tap dancer. <laughs> so, Perfect yeah. for anything goes. <laughs> well, and that didn't happen for quite a long time. And, and back when I was in, you know, when we were doing this, which was what, 1979, 80, there was the reciprocity between L.A. and New York did not exist. I mean, if you were a stage actor, you were a stage actor. You could not cross over to film. And I was... A, a stage actor. I mean, I hit with that with that musical, which was controversial and all over the place. So, um, no, my only offer when I left was Lady Macbeth in um, Macbeth, and I went, "Haven't I just been playing her?" <laughs> Basically, <laughs> um, at Lincoln Center, directed by Sarah Caldwell, and I sat in my room, on my room, on my apartment. For a good three years, four years, not working. Trying to work, not working. You know, it's it's tough. It's tough. You know, you hit with, depends on what you hit with. Again, that takes all kinds of inner strength. Yeah. Um, and of course, I really sort of fell in love with you and became uh, uh, super familiar from Life Goes On. Um, mm-hmm. 
once that show started airing, it was so beautiful. And I had friends with siblings who had Down syndrome and it, it meant a huge amount to that community. Um, how was that experience? It was um, difficult and heavenly. Uh, you know, I think Down syndrome kids are angels on earth. They really are angels on earth. And Chris, is, Chris was incredible. And I still have lifelong friends from that. Kelly, Kelly Martin um, is still a very, I'm very close with Kelly, who played Becca with yeah. the club. Um, you know, I had a couple of people on the crew. But they, they, it was a novice group of television people who uh, put an enormous burden on Chris. And Chris would have meltdowns, and then they didn't have cover sets. So it got a little chaotic. Um, but working with Chris, oh, my God. I mean, I think we all feel the same way. Uh, seeing what he achieved, watching him achieve it was incredible. He was amazing. I can't imagine the, the pressure. Yeah, exactly. But then, you know, he, he knew his lines. He had, he, you know, and some, he would stumble a lot. He accomplished it. And and the joy on his face every day. Every day. Sort of like Marion Seldes. <laughs> Lucky. We get to do it twice today. <laughs> they're in, they're, right. Um, but he it, it, you know, it, if you were in a bad mood, you had no reason to be around Chris. We have some questions here. I'm going to read some. One from uh, a woman named Annalise Settefratti. Curious as to your perspective on being a woman in theater and how both the industry and the available roles have changed over your decades. Um, I don't... Has it changed? I don't think so. I don't think it's changed. I I mean, there's more female directors as well. There should be. Uh, There should be... There was more... Uh, women playwrights that are being produced as well they should be as well there should be um, but I I think what's happened in theater is that um, and it has less to do with gender etc etc it has to do with money and especially on Broadway which has turned into Las Vegas I, I have said ad nauseum that um, there should be term limits on federal and Supreme Court judges uh, congressmen, uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the War Room, and Broadway musical. Yes, agree. <laughs> because they sit in a theater for years. And what happens is we don't have a viable and vital theater. We have a tourist attraction. So Broadway becomes a tourist attraction as opposed to an exchange of ideas, an, en- an enlightening place, a place to see you know, our, us reflected back. So it's, it's very depressing, actually. Um, that's a crime. Uh, but as far as being a woman in this business, I have, I've never really thought that it was because I was a woman in this business. I thought that I didn't get a role or, or I was rejected for something because it was me, Patty. I didn't put it together with, with the fact that it, I was a woman. Um, 
I'm disappointed that I was never approached on the casting couch. Uh, <laughs> no one looked my way. <laughs> I went out with <laughs> no, I showed <laughs> me the door. <laughs> I hope um, that's the question. Laura Rokazak asks, Miss Lupone, would you share your vocal regimen? How do you keep your voice so strong and amazing? Oh, okay. So I have a great teacher, John Later, and um, she taught me how to breathe. I think the essential thing to singing is breath and how you float the vocal cords on top of the breath. And she taught me, I mean, I'm doing it now. We, we, we do more damage talking than we do singing because we, we stop the breathing and, and only breathe with what's trapped in the mouth, which puts stress on the cords, as opposed to, and now I'm talking to you. I know I'm talking to you. I'm talking, I'm, you know, I'm taking the I'm inhalation. I'm taking an, inha- an inhalation of breath and releasing it when I'm talking. Um, I have a vocalese that I have been doing for years. That's a Joan vocalese. I still take lessons. I still learn from her. Um, You're, I'm, I'll just point out that there's a, a running motif here today in the last 40 minutes of you continually talking about learning and remaining curious. And yeah. I think that's a huge part of what makes you an ever-growing, ever-more-compelling artist to watch and to talk to now and to hear from. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a tourist and I'm a fan. Bottom line, I'm a tourist and I'm a fan. So I'm constantly in awe. I'm constantly, my jaw is dropped because I am absorbing, taking in things that are fantastic. Um, magical. Uh, is this Earth? Do you know, and, or going and seeing things in museums that are do- jaw dropping. And I think it's that awesome, that ability to to rem- that ability to be awed. Yeah. Title. Wool gathering. <laughs> you got to You got to input a little bit. Um, what do we have here? Taylor Gregory asks, "What would be your number one piece of advice for students who are wanting to make a career?" in show business? Know your craft. It's a craft, whatever you choose. Know the history, know the technique, know everything about your craft. That would be my, my uh, I mean, so many people think they can just toss it off. And it's a craft, it's a skill. Mine is, acting is a skill, singing is a skill. Know it. From Laura DiStallo, Patty, what is left on your theater bucket list? What would make you excited to do next? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Back to weeding. Yeah, I've been back to weeding. I'm waiting, you know, for company to happen. Um, And I think that'll be my last Broadway experience. And I must say, I saw you in that in London. It was extraordinary. And I couldn't be more excited about the cast here. You have all my favorite people, Itai, uh, uh, everyone, uh, Nikki Creedy, just everyone great. And what happened? It's so sad. It's so, I mean, I have no idea when live theater will come back. That's How insane. many performances did you do in New York? We, we were 10 day, 11 days from opening. So we had two weeks, of, two weeks of previews behind us. We were about to open on Steve's birthday. You're ready. Um, well, uh, hopefully everything will be back a year from now. We'll be watching you in the theater. We all, all 1000 teachers were supposed to come see you. There's not 
a, a full thousand here right now, but we were supposed to have a thousand in the city coming to see your show. Oh, and I was so disappointed. I'm so disappointed that I wasn't, I can't, I couldn't see everybody see their faces. We'll be back next year for, for sure. You've been listening to the Broadway Teachers Podcast, recorded live at the Broadway Teachers Workshop, an annual program that brings theater teachers together with the Broadway community for behind-the-scenes classes, workshops, intimate discussions, and Broadway shows in New York City and online. Learn more at www.broadwayteachinggroup.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.